bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey guys, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brion, and my lovely co-host, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people. Hello, people. It's like really humid in New York City, so we're going to sweat. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. It's going to be sweat. My hair is back today because I had no choice. I wasn't dealing with it today. I'm not. But you're glowing. You're glowing. Thank you. It's the highlight. <laughs> Just uh, say you're glowing. Don't tell them it's the highlight. <laughs> The highlight. Maybe it's Maybelline. No, it's definitely Maybelline. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring in our guests. Um, we have two amazing guests today. Uh, I don't know if I should launch into their intro now, or should I wait till I have the girls on? Um. Uh, yeah, just give us a quick intro for them, and then we're going to I'm going to give you guys a really quick intro, because we have two phenomenal guests today that we're really excited. Our guests today are sisters. We have actress, writer, Selenis Leva, and model, writer, actress, Marisol Leva, both are native New Yorkers from the Bronx. What's up? Right, so I'm going to bring them in right now. Let's bring in our guests. Hello. 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 Can you guys hear us okay? Hi. Hi. Hello. Can everyone can hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you guys hear us okay? Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I'm Gina. This is Catherine uh, Mendoza, my co-host. So hi, we're so excited to have you. I just did a little brief intro for you guys. Um, We are so excited. Thank you for joining us today. Where are you joining us from? New York City. City. Oh, (laughs) we're in New York too. We were just saying that like it's humid as hell. I don't know where you guys go. Honey, I have not. That's why it's slick today. Yes, yes. hung yes. <laughs> in the back, but it's slick up here. It's slick. That's why the hair is back today. I'm not dealing with it today. I'm not dealing. My hair is disrespectful. My hair is disrespectful. Real disrespectful, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> How are you ladies doing? We're good. It's like yeah. in a day, you know, a lot of things are happening, current events are there's Are, a lot going on. Everyone's feeling exhausted about it. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot going on. We're going to definitely get into all of that. Before we do, we usually have our two uh, rapid fire questions that we're going to start with. So we're going to throw some questions at you guys so that you, you get uh, people get to know you a little bit better. Um, okay. They're just two and answer them in whatever uh, way you feel, which one is more important, whatever order. Uh, the first one is what are your zodiac signs each? And what is a secret talent that you have, that each of you have? Huh. So. Well, I'm a Gemini. What's my talent? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, uh, wow. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know. I don't, that's a secret talent. What's my secret talent? It could be anything. Mine is being double jointed. So like. Oh. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I, I that's not mine. <laughs> What's my secret talent? Yeah, I I wow, it's kind of sad that I don't have a secret talent. I think I'm. I think everybody knows my stuff. I think I've just <laughs> exposed myself so much. Everyone, you know, I, I think at this point, secret talent is that she can cook and she doesn't think she can. Oh, okay. okay. lies, Zeminelli. <laughs> Look at the burnt marks. 
Look at the uh, I mean, that's what it takes. Exactly. That is part of cooking. <laughs> right, that is right. absolutely so, true. Maybe that's my secret. <laughs> that's your secret talent. Uh, Marisol, what about you? So I'm an Aries and you're an Aries girl? Yes, girl. Yeah. Oh, nice. Fire. April 7th. Okay, I'm March 30th. Nice. Um, and my secret talent would have to be, I would have to say, um, a lot of people haven't tried my food, so they don't really know, like, if I'm a good cook or not. They're just like, oh, my God, that looks really good by the image, and sometimes... She's a great cook. Okay. She is, a, I mean, it's disgusting how good she is. Now, what kind and of I'm food do saying. you cook? What kind of food do you like to I, cook? I really enjoy um, cooking um, Latin food, and then also, like, putting a twist to it, Latin infusion and using like different ingredients from other cultures and then combining the two. That's fascinating. Would you ever think about opening a restaurant? I've always thought about opening a restaurant, yeah. That's amazing. I would love that. That's awesome. Well, thank you for indulging our... <laughs> we always ask, I'm, I'm an Aries, Catherine's a Cancer, and we've been girlfriends for like a long time. We just... I absolutely love this woman. She's one of my favorite people. It's just Aww. also like I'm really into astrology. So the more I get into it, I feel like it tells you um, a little bit about where people are. Now, I, don't get me wrong. If we had time, I would have been like, what is your moon? What is your rising? Are you right, kidding? right, yeah. right. Oh, my God. I love astrology. Like, I'm all into it, too. Like, I, I'm a constantly like, if I meet somebody, if I meet a guy, I'm like, what sign are you? Yeah. And what right month? Away. Because that has to do a lot, too. Because yeah. you could be the same sign, but the months are very different. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, the rising and all that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. So, we'll talk yeah. later, girl. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk more. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. Uh, just for some more information. Uh, Kat, do you want to go into it? Yeah, like our audience will probably know Selenis from multiple projects. Um, most notably, probably Orange is the New Black. I'm always really excited because. Your character's last name was Mendoza, and my last name was Mendoza. So that, like, it's so funny because it didn't matter how that character built. I was like, that could be a villain, and she's a Mendoza. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Um, but yeah, so people know you from that. But then there's also Diary of um, a Future President, yes. which is on Disney Plus, and that's yeah. like really huge because it's Disney's new streaming platform. Um, I I consider it like the new age um, Lizzie McGuire for Disney. But yeah. Right, but like a with Latino a Latina character. spin, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's like really exciting. Can you just you know tell us a little bit more about like your experience with that show? Yeah, um, you know it's what a blessing to go from a, one streaming giant, you know Netflix, and really be the guinea pigs of of that of that streaming world. Nobody knew anything about streaming, and then I I really think that I firmly believe that Orange Is the New Black catapulted that into another universe um and then disney plus i mean my god anything with disney you know like for me i suddenly felt like a little girl like i was like oh my god i'm with disney i'm getting a disney check you know what i mean like it was like a big deal and even more so because it was a latinx representation in a positive way we rarely see our people in a light that is not a struggling light oh my you know um, no shade to anyone, but you know, shows where it's constantly like the single mother struggling to make ends meet, struggling for that. Well, yeah, that's our story. But we also have a lot of people in our community that are educated, um, that have careers, booming careers, smart kids. I mean, not everybody's struggling. So what I love about this is that it's showing us in a different light 
and it's about time. I mean, obviously it's 2020, you would hope and pray that things would be different. Um, so I'm excited about it. And, you know, it's a really great set. It's a positive set. I feel like it's also a show where um, they ask a lot of my opinions, like my voice matters a lot on that show. Um, I know Gina Rodriguez also was very specific that she wanted an Afro-Caribeña as her lead. Yeah. So that, we haven't seen that either. Let's be honest, we yeah. haven't. When we see our stories, it's always kind of, um, you know, maybe Mexican, you know, driven. Um, and, and the Caribeño aspect, the Afro is never part of the conversation. So this was really exciting, you know, for me and that we got a second season is, is even better. That's unbelievable. Yeah. What an incredible project to be a part of. And you're absolutely right about Afro-Latina representation. It's, it's such a necessity. It's such, and painted in the right picture. And yeah. that's, that's the most important part is like, it's not just telling the story, but it's how you tell the story. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, we actually have another connection that I don't, I don't think you know of though. Um, we were both Angelo. very good friends with Angelo. Yeah, I remember seeing you um, and you were part of New York and Rule. Yeah. And uh, uh, the special I just did on Amazon is uh, dedicated to Angelo. He's a, yeah. he was like my big brother, man. Mm, yeah, that's, um, yeah, we do have that connection. So uh, I, I know that you had your special days after uh, his yeah. passing and um, I was invited to that, but I, I couldn't get out of bed. I, no, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, the love that I have for that man is, um, and, and I knew I was going to talk to you today and, and, and I knew that he was also a big part of your life. And, and, and I, you know, again, it, it's all very fresh. I still get very emotional about it. Yeah. Um, that was my partner. That was my yeah. brother. That was my big brother. That was the, the person that I really do feel is responsible for me being comfortable, being funny, you know, cause when he met me, um, I was, you know, a theater actress and, and it wasn't, I wasn't tapping into the funny yet. And he was like, yo, you know, like you a beast, let's, you know, and, 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 and he, he tapped into that. And as you know, he was always just for the people about love. And um, we lost a really good one. We lost a really, really good one. Really did. But how, what amazes me and what we'll always, what I always hold on to is how influential he was for, for so many people. Like for so many people, he was that voice that just, he just pushed us. He pushed us all and he was happy for us all. Like genuinely He was happy. happy. Yes. People got a win. He was genuinely happy and supportive. And so. So happy. He taught us all that to be that for each other. And I think yeah. that's an even bigger part of why when we get to tell our stories, we can all show support and love for each other because we had him as an amazing example. Mm-hmm. Um, Getting into that, I also want to talk about Marisol. You, you have quite a background as a model, a writer, an activist. You've been featured on everything from Time Magazine to Cosmopolitan. Like, that's, that's amazing. Congratulations on all of your success. What was it like being featured on a, a mag, on magazines, in magazines like Cosmo? Like, that's a huge thing. Um. <laughs> But it still, it still humbles me. I'm laughing out of humble because um, I never imagined I would be on like features on Cosmo magazines, Latina magazines that I grew up watching and, and looking at and imagining like what it would be like if I was to be in there one day. 
not thinking that I would be. And ironically, I guess I was manifesting that and it just happened out of nowhere. Um, it feels really good. It makes me feel not good only for myself, but for my community, because I know a lot of girls like myself don't see themselves or get the chance to be featured in such a popular um, magazine. And so it was really major. I think like when a lot of the things, these things happen for me, it's like, it's hard to take in because I still can't believe it to the to this day. I still can't believe it. Now we have a book out. I still can't believe it. And, <laughs> The you book know, is I, definitely I, what we can't wait to get into. <laughs> it's yeah, some, a more of a journey. Yeah, it came out in Spanish last week. Yeah, it's right here, available. Yes. We can't wait for our copies. We're waiting on our copies. We got a we got kind of a brief overview of the book, and we're both hype about actually getting our copies to read the book. Now, what a lot of people may not know, and what we found out through our research, was that this was a joint project for the both of you, yeah. talking about your upbringing and how you dealt with, with how you both dealt individually with Marisol's transition. Um, yeah. You guys can speak a little bit on what the process was like. How did you come to the idea of writing a book together? What was that conversation like? Well, I went to Marisol <laughs> and I said, I have an idea. Uh, I want to write a book and I want us to do it together. And it came from uh, the Caitlyn, the famous Caitlyn Jenner Vanity Fair cover, um, where I was so happy for her, like really genuinely happy because finally, you know, to live your truth. And, and, and after so many years, um, and I read the article and, and the next day I woke up a little bit uneasy. And I was like, well, why am I uneasy? And I was uneasy because that's not the narrative of most transgender people, right? Especially black and brown. Um, especially no means. If you are not a millionaire and you choose, right? Let's say not every trans person wants to have surgeries, but if they choose to, you can't afford them. Sometimes you can't even afford hormones, right? So for me, there was something about that showcase that was a little dangerous for someone like my sister or like others in the trans community. Because if you don't fall under that kind of you know, Kardashian flair, right? Where you have like the glamour, the, the surgeries, the glam team, the security, then are you not going to be respected? Are you not going to be seen? So I, I went to my manager and I said, I had this idea. Well, I wrote a piece for the Huffington Post and it kind of circulated for a while. And from that, I was like, there's a bigger story that needs to be told. And I went to my sister and I said, what do you feel about this? This is kind of crazy, but listen to me. And I pitched it to her and, um, and I, I'm so grateful that my sister trusted, trusted in me because I also felt that it was, I had an opportunity given my platform, I had an opportunity and an obligation to use my platform in a way to educate, in a way to highlight other voices and so i'm just happy that my sister decided to to take the ride and the journey with me and i know it was hard it was a lot to ask of her because i had to she had to relive a lot of things when when you read the book you'll see you know we, we get into it and it is not always pretty but it's honest and it was also important for me to do a cis woman voice and a trans woman voice so that we can see how alike we really are 
And we could also see how important it is to support someone that you love while they're transitioning. That was really important. And I feel like, not that it was a Trojan horse, but in some, in some ways it's almost like, yeah, look at me, I'm gonna write a book, but I'm also gonna educate you. So, yeah. you know, I'm glad that my sister joined me on that and was like, she trusted me. Yeah. Was there any trepidation on your part, Marisol? Was there anything you were worried about in telling your story? Um, so, you know, everything that my sister said, it was a part of like my decision as well. And also knowing that so many um, people like myself, stories aren't often told or the narrative is often changed or you might have someone who might play the transgender role who isn't transgender or know the experiences that they're going through or have been going through. So I knew that it was more than just me having this bug or like feeling like, oh, I'm gonna get seen and I'm like highlight on me. It was more bigger about like, well, my community often isn't hurt. And so my sister presented me with this opportunity to, you know, build a platform for myself and have a voice for people like trans who might not feel like their voice are being heard or the generation that's coming after myself, um, you know, how to deal with these things that I dealt with in my childhood. So I wanted to use that and, and take advantage of that and show our story from, from my family, from my personal experiences to know that you know, this is normal. Like this is, people think this isn't normal, that this is just a choice and you just woke up one day to, you wanted to be a trans woman, a woman first. I say I'm a woman first and then I'm trans with trans experiences. Um, because again, I don't like categories, but at the same time, um, I wanted to show the truth and the experience that we, we experienced and I wanted, I wanted to showcase that. So that was like part of my, my um, decision. And also I already had dabbled in doing advocacy work. And so um, that gave me a taste of what it felt like, of, like sharing my story and connecting with other trans women and educating people who might've not been so educated. And there's something about it that made me feel good because I'm standing for something that I believe in and a lot of people who, who feel the same way. So it's, it's all like a teamwork. And I think the more people do this, the more understanding there will be. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, that, I definitely think it's important to like recognize that proper representation matters. So I think that's the opportunity that, you know, you gave her like in general, because I do, me and Gina talk constantly about um, the idea of throwing the rope back, right? Yes. So one person makes it, the whole point is like, I mean, you have your own career trajectory, right? But you have your own story. So mm -hmm. her throwing that rope to you is not just like, hey, I'm gonna talk about my sister's experience because that's not yours. It's no. going, I'm going to give you the voice that I, I, it doesn't matter who else can or will want to, I know you're gonna get it the right way. Yes. I care for you and I'm gonna give you that. To, to me, I think that that's probably the most exciting thing about um, knowing that you guys wrote it together because I'm like, I have sisters, but we live very different experiences. And just in general, anybody in our lives, right? I feel like, and this is just my personal opinion, when somebody tries to tell someone else's story, I feel like that's just wrong. Yeah. Um, in general, and especially with um, experiences that are not only not always portrayed, but sometimes they're not portrayed correctly, like kind of going Absolutely. back to the gender thing where there's levels to what privilege is in that story. And it's yeah. like, well, don't glorify an experience that has way yeah. other history. Yeah. So yeah. 
yeah. yeah. And I think that a lot of people did say that, like, I think when we started sending the book out to folks, um, I would hear, we would hear like, I wasn't too sure how I felt about reading um, a transgender story also with the narrative of a cis woman involved. And I think, and I understand that because it, the idea maybe was like, oh great, another story that's going to be told by other, you yeah. know, and not by. But here, I just want to make it very clear that this story is an account of her journey and my support of her journey and how it changed our family. And that narrative needs to be told yes. because A, most of the time people in the LGBTQ community are not supported by their community, are not supported by their family. So I'm saying, we're saying, guess what, you guys? It's possible. You can support your loved ones and you're not gonna lose anything uh, you know, by giving love, by giving support. So this book was really about survival, how Marisol survived a lot of the darkest moments in her time, in her life. I share what it was to see her go through that and how we came together as a family. And then we have a lot of resources in the book so that those that are going through it or have family or friends or, or just want to educate themselves, there's resources. This book is also a book of resource um, that we didn't have. When Marisol was going through her transition, we didn't have this. I did the best that I could to be there for her. She did the best that she could by finding a world on her own that she felt comfortable in. So we're just hoping that someone else's journey, and again, it's about we came here and we're gonna throw it back. We're gonna throw the, the rope yeah. back or we're gonna send the elevator back down so that somebody has a different experience, maybe a little bit easier than what we had. Um, and I think that's what life should always be about. I got here, there's room. For others to come so that's hopefully you know what people will get from our book i think it's amazing how much you cover in the book in general and just getting the overview of it i can tell that there's going to be a lot of raw emotion in the book as well and one of the things that you discuss is machismo in the latinx culture and latin latino culture in general and um, I, I mean, I grew up with my older brother coming out when I was 14. My brother came out to me when I was about 14 years old. And I know that that's something that he dealt with within my family, the machismo mm -hmm. and everybody kind of coming at him. You know, and me, I'm, I'm weeks away from delivering my first child. I'm, I'm oh. eight, months, eight months pregnant now. And uh, my concentration wants to be educating my son properly and making sure that he understands First of all, that he can be whatever he wants to be in anything in life. Mm -hmm. And there will be no judgment. There will be support. And we come into a world now where that is possible because of books like the ones you're writing, because of stories like the ones you're telling. And I would love to know from your perspective, what was it like dealing with that machismo culture? And how did you guys cope with it? How did you both deal? How did you lean on each other? For me, I have to say that machismo... Um personality and just energy made me feel censored where I couldn't be myself 100% of worrying about the backlash I was gonna get was, or the things that I was gonna get told by specifically by the men. So I felt like I always had to play cool and like be protected. And you know, my sister would protect me at times when she was around from my brothers and my dad. But like, even in school, like you would think that you wouldn't have you wouldn't see machismo and like in school through students and stuff, but it's like, it gets passed down from generation to generation. 
And so I experienced that in, in school as well. And it was like, it was, I felt more safer when I was home because it was like, I'm home. But then at school, it was just like, how do I try to get away from this? How do I try to like um, be censor myself? But I couldn't because my orbit just spoke for itself. My energy spoke for itself. There was no hiding from that. And so it, you know, it, it kind of sucks. It was, it kind of sucks because it wasn't nice thing. It got to the point where I felt like um, something wrong with me. So, um, you know, I yeah. think that with our book, it, it, this is another reason why we share our story to, to change the narrative and to change, like break the cycles of my achievement because I think that people don't realize it. They don't realize that they're doing it because it's been passed on and they feel like they have to play this gender role because they are a man and that's, that's what makes them a man and that's not what makes you a man. So, um, you know, I, I try to take something that was negative and turn it into a positive. That's great. I feel like um, something that I've gotten into conversations with in my family, because I grew up with mostly women, like in general in my household, um, and as I got older, was um, thinking about how uh, the women in my family upheld machista-like things. And like, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't overt, right? It wasn't like, they didn't act like the men. They didn't, they didn't act like the men, but they allowed certain things, which is very ironic because growing up with women who are like, um, you know, cuidate, you need to like uh, uh, be a strong person. But at the same time, with then when we were around the men act a certain way, I was like, yeah. Do you not see it? But like you said, it's ingrained. It's yeah. so ingrained that I even sometimes, um, you know, I think that once I became aware of it, I was like, yo, check yourself because yeah. when are you doing it? When do you not even notice you're doing it? Because that's just what you were taught. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people think that machista culture has a lot to do with just men, but I think no. it has to do with women. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of us feed into it. I was, when I was younger, I remember my older sister teaching me the proper way to walk in front of a man like I was taught things like that like I yeah. was taught how to carry myself and it was a battle too because I was like I don't want to do that <laughs> I want to do I want to walk like I want to be me I want to be relaxed I want to be myself but you do get these things from the women that feed into that yeah. toxic masculinity that you know machismo culture did you guys experience that that and what did you do when you would experience that? Because I know you guys, I mean, you both seem very close. You seem very connected, the two mm -hmm. of you. And that's we are. <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful thing with siblings. I'm very, very close with all my siblings now. There's five yeah. of us all together. Did you, yeah. have, you guys have other uh, siblings? Yeah, it's five of us all together. So, oh, yeah. there's five of y'all too? There's five Yeah, of yeah. <laughs> so, and we're close. We're definitely close. We, you know, I have a very unique relationship with all of my siblings it's you know being the oldest I kind of like have watched over all of them and and I have a very very specific relationship with all of them which is really interesting um but machismo you know I mean yeah I grew up in a household where even though now you know my my dad will never say you know he'll check himself if I'm around you know like I've had to like educate everybody in the house um, and my father's a Cuban man, you know, proud and, and for growing up, I would see him, you know, flaunt his machismo, not because he was being bad or, but that was just the culture. That was the culture. He'd come home and I remember it was like, get your father's slippers, you know, 
you know, get his chair ready because he got to sit down. Meanwhile, my mother's been running around the house all day long, taking care of all these kids, making dinner. And my father would sit at the table and, and the kitchen was like a, not only six, not even six feet away. And he, he sit there with a face if he didn't have a glass of water. And meanwhile, the glass of water was right there, but he, and my mother was like, get your father's water. And I, from a very young age was like, no, he could get it himself. And I would say, and because my dad, you know, loves me so much, he would find it amusing, but I challenged him. So yeah. I would challenge him. I would challenge my brothers too. I was like, it's Saturday morning. Why am I the only one cleaning, you know? And, and I would question that and I would make my mother question it. So the next thing you know, my brothers had to clean also. And they were like, damn, why Sally got to get all in the business? You know, like, mind your business. And I'd be like, nah, we're all cleaning. If I'm cleaning, we're all cleaning in this house. I got to wake up early Saturday. <laughs> you got to wake up early You got to wake up. So so I think machismo, I would have to say, without giving myself, like, too much, like, ugh, props, but I challenged. I yeah. challenged it. And I think we all should challenge it in, in our own way. You know, when you have your son, you know, yeah, raise him different. Raise him to, to, to see things differently. I have a daughter who's 17. She checks me because sometimes I'll say something without, and listen, I'm the most open, liberal, whatever. And, you know, I don't know, getting a gift for like my nephew, for example. I was like, uh, they're, they're twins, a little boy and a little girl. And I was like, all right, well, we're going to get her the, I don't know what I said, like the, the kitchen set, you know, and then we're going to get him the scientist set. And my daughter was like, excuse me? And I was like, well, what? And she was like, why is she getting? And I was like, you know what? Let's yeah. change the labels. You're right. But we're so conditioned That's that, but she checked me, you know? And we have to do that for each other. Ourselves too. Like, I think I've, I've done a couple of self checks even recently and just gone over my thought process behind things. Like when people ask me what I want to get from my son, what colors do I want? Like I check myself and yep. go, well, let's just be open to different things because yeah. we, we fall back on what we know. It's like a, a yeah. bad habit that we'll fall back on. Um, Absolutely. I did want to ask you, and I know in the last chapter of the book, you discuss coping with depression along with violence and abuse against transgender women, especially women of color. With everything that's happening currently in our society with the Black Lives Matter movement, along with the deaths of Tony McDade, uh, Rhea Milton, Dominique uh, Fells in the Black community, yeah, um, and others, many others. Is there something you wish people understood about the Black trans experience uh, while we're hopefully all self-teaching and deconditioning ourselves? Like, is there something you would like to impart to everyone? I feel like um, the Black Lives Movement feel like, for example, um, the trans community, the LGBT community took over LA with their march with thousands of people who showed up for the lives of the trans women who have been taken away and to serve justice for them and, and have their voices be heard as well. And I've seen a lot of comments from a lot of people from that support Black Lives Matter, right? And these people were saying, well, hold on, like we need to focus on Black Lives Matter right now because why are you out there? Like you're, you have your time. You guys are always trying to steal the time or, or, or the shine. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm just like, no, we're, we're not trying to steal. So I would like people to know that we're not trying to steal your shine. 
we are part of that same shine. We are part of that same Black Lives Matter. And so I want them to know that you cannot choose who you show up for when you say Black Lives Matter because my skin is also brown and my life as well matters. My sister's life matters. My brother's lives matter. All Black lives matter at this point. And if we feel like we need to serve justice and come to a place of solidarity and, and, and just being free who you are and just getting equality, we all need to look at the differences that come with all, all Black lives matter. And I think people are so stuck into the fact with, with the police brutality thing. It's bigger than just that. There is this level. There's all types of people that are just experiencing discrimination, transphobia, police brutality, racism. So I think what I would say to them is open your minds, open your hearts, start educating yourself on different walks of life and the different levels that add on to all Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And, and, and just adding to that, we can't say we're pro, you know, Black lives and then and then go and have a mob of black cis people attacking a trans woman mm -hmm. in the same week yes. that, that we saw such tragedy that has made everyone stand up. So what are we doing here? How could that happen? It's like, you can't tell me that you're out there, you know, marching and yelling and this and that, and then you're gonna turn to this person and be like, oh, not that person, not this group of people. No, this is, this is like Marisol said, an umbrella. And when we talk about black lives, we are including everyone, everyone. And let's not forget that someone like Marsha P, right? Like who started, who, who started, right? Like Marsha P Johnson started a trans woman was the Black first, per, one of the, right? One of the first people to be like, let's go, yeah. you know? They're, they're, so let's not, let's not, let's not do damage and forget that we are being inclusive to us all as humans. And the only way we're gonna be able to make true change is if we have these kind of conversations, if we are more inclusive, and if we show others, right, that we're united. Because if we're not, if we're showing them that we're not united, they already won, you know, yeah. and they've been, yes. and they've been quote unquote winning out here for a minute. So yeah. it's our job to, to be like, nope, we mean this life too. And this life too. We're in this yeah. together. Right. I'd like to add something on, on with that as well. Yeah. With my sister mentioning Marsha P. Johnson, this woman fought for our liberal right for our community and something that sticks out very strongly to me and I'm so passionate about is the fact that in my own community we also get backlash with transphobia homophobia people who are in the same community that we are in and I need I, I want you guys to know that you are walking in this earth because of Marsha P. Johnson so let's respect all of us let's respect one another let's show love to one another because I feel like in different communities all of these discrimination lives. It lives in all different types of walks of life. And until we don't notice that, until we show each other love, compassion, and respect, we're continuing to live in the same experiences that we continue to live over and over and over again. So I just wanted to say that because it's, it's also in our community as well. Yeah, that's an, that's an amazing point. Absolutely. I think, I think that it's very important for people to realize like, you know, people are talking about change, right? And then they want to decide what changes, but it's like oppression is oppression and deconditioning the way that we were taught is not just about what one thing, 
right? Mm-hmm. So like, it's very interesting to me where I think that like, like like what Selene said, the the you don't no you can't choose. Don't don't be selective. We're not. That's not what you what we're doing here. Like yeah. if you're not in it, then you are against it. And so don't right. get and or but the situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's no cleavages to like. Okay, but tomorrow we'll talk about this. No. No. Tomorrow, today, every day is the overall of everybody. I feel like I, t- I keep telling people humanity. Humanity is the one thing that's lacking and the one thing I really think people want. But humanity doesn't exclude a group, any yeah. group. Yeah. So your, if your fight excludes anybody, then I'm sorry. Like, we're not fighting the same fight and where we have, yeah. you know, like, I just, I can't. No, it's absolutely yeah. true. It should be all inclusive. There should be no exclusion. There should be absolutely no exclusion. Like, mm-hmm. it's just insane that they would pick and choose whose suffering was worse and do comparative suffering and then keep a group of people out, especially a group of people that's been supporting the cause. Yeah, and we are all under attack. Don't get it twisted. We are all under attack. This current administration gets up every morning and, you know, goes and plays Russian. Who are we going to pick on today? Whose rights are we going to mess with today? You know, and this is something that I said early on, early on when this administration changed to this current. Mm -hmm. Um, I said, don't get it twisted. If they're attacking this person today, tomorrow it will be you. Yes. And that is what we've seen. Okay, so to all those that are like, well, you know, we're living our best life and we're going to make America great again. He don't care about you. This administration doesn't care about you. Trust me, if you unless you are a one percenter and unless you are Caucasian male, then you're good. That's right. This is for you. But not a lot of us fall under that. So I think that it's time for all of us to to really wake up, wake up. There's no time for silence. Silence is saying a whole lot these days. You know, every person, every human being, like you said, every human being needs to be outraged with every murder, with every police brutality, with every kid still in cages. We should be outraged. And what happens is, and I know we've been bombarded in this last four years, we've been putting out so many fires, we get, you know, overwhelmed. But this is the time. And I said this this morning, Marisol and I were having an interview and I said, there's no going back. This is the time. There is no going back. Whatever that means, there's no going back. We ain't making nothing great again. Oh no, we're changing it. When people (laughs) say, oh, I can't wait to think get back to normal. Um, Check that. Yeah, back to normal for who? Who's normal? normal, Who's normal are we talking about? Like new, new normal, whatever that is, cool. Let's talk about that. But normal, right. I also, for me, um, you know, as Gina and I were um, preparing for this, we were talking about like these small, um, and they're victories, but even the small victories that are being put out. So for instance, like um, the Title VII, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, I, <laughs> I had this conversation with somebody where they were like, yeah, but like, you know, they, um, trans people just got this right. And I was like, okay, first off, it was an amendment to an already pre-existing like law and i go yeah. so an amendment means that i'm not that nothing new happened something really did change for that community but let's not go like okay so celebrate that let's act like uh everything's getting better no 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 small victory great this is where the where it should be going mm-hmm. but also educate yourself on like when people think oh it's new they just they they you regret granted something 
you're telling me a lot about yourself in that yeah. as well, where I'm like, oh, okay, did you sit down to look it up? Did you yeah. know what the actual amendment was already, or was, there, was including but excluding in yeah. general? And even mm -hmm. how that amendment probably still has cleavages if you really were to read it yeah, that are not inclusive. So like, yeah. the, the work in, is never done on like self-educating with on every sure. red line but with the, with a movement like this any little win they're like it's like the people that are unaffected the they go deal. okay are you good are you good now like once the right right goes, right are you good now so we're good now this is done right yeah like yeah no die, it's like how much more time. do you want how much yeah, yeah. how, how much more do back. you want like you know i i saw a karen meltdown a video of a karen melting down and she was like Oh my goodness, what more do you want? I'm so fed up. And I was like, girl, bye, sit down. Bye. You know what? It's bye. been two weeks. You're and you're, <laughs> and you're, you're, you're asking us what more? <laughs> they're, they're scared. Parents and the Kevins are scared about what's about to change because they see the change coming. And they want to stick to what they've been sticking to, their privilege for all this long, all this time. So that's privilege. What, that's what's going on right now. It's well, real privilege. Yeah, and the conversation mm -hmm. of what privilege actually encompasses and the fact yeah. that those conversations need to happen because there's so many people that are uneducated and think that, oh, well, I didn't grow up, you know, with a baller lifestyle, so how am I privileged? And they don't understand, like, you're privileged just by the fact that none of your actions are ever questioned. You're privileged by the fact that nobody follows you around a store. That's you're right. By the fact that nobody judges you the minute they see you or based on your name because your name has other characteristics in it that right. are different. Like, mm -hmm. that's your privilege. That's what you don't understand. You're and getting you know, existence. That. Yes. Yeah. Physical yeah. existence is not something that makes you worry on a daily basis, right? That's so right. Like, you constantly confuse class and race and then sexuality and just like they don't realize like no there's okay so let's look you ever you guys ever um heard the like uh it was an experiment called the the privilege test and like everybody stands in a line and they yes oh my god right it's one of those where it's like you will quickly start to see what you thought was your version of oppression where are you at the end of that because if you're anywhere towards the middle or the front yeah or Jane yeah. Elliott's, or Jane Elliott's brown eye, blue eyes. Like when you look at, yeah. when you watch Jane Elliott's experiment and you, you realize that she's teaching people about oppression in the simplest way possible because so many people, it goes over their head because they look at it like, I mean, you hear ridiculous things of what people But it's been ingrained in us. It's been, but yes. it's been ingrained in us, right? So from the very beginning, education in this country is so stale, you know, and so completely one-sided. You know, I want to know why we didn't know about our people, how our people contributed to to this great nation, you know, because y'all did not build this. We did. Yeah. So why are we excluded from that? Why are we just, you know, if I have to go to another school and see another collage of Christopher Columbus and the Pinta and the Santa Maria and all the boats that came with all the rapists, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, what are we teaching our children? We're teaching our kids that we didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Somehow we were not part of the narrative. So if, imagine how others, right? How, how these white folk are looking at, well, yeah, you guys weren't here. You guys weren't here. From the very because beginning, you weren't here. That's what they were taught. That's what we were all taught. Nobody learns about how this country was built on the backs of slaves and on the backs right. of immigrants until they are an adult. 
We are not taught that as children. No. We are taught a convoluted, messed up version of the story with huge holes in it. And yeah. they want us to praise these people that were colonizers and that were oppressors and were taught to have national holidays to these people. <laughs> Which when you get older and you learn the history, you go, this is mind blowing. Yeah. How are we not being taught these things in school? How are we excluding this? How are we not being taught, you know, how the Roman Catholic Church, you know, started a lot of this oppression and a lot of the class and a lot of the division, a lot of the race, Mm -hmm. you know, with the Europeans. Like, how do we not know this? You know, it's all glorified. It's like they came here and they rescued us. They came here and they, re- it's, it's all about being rescued by other. No, no. And I, you know, I think that one of the things that I'm looking at even more so more than ever is like how we talk about how the police department needs to be kind of like reformed and, you know, yeah. I, and I know defunding is like, it scares people. Maybe it's not the right word, but you know, we need to, we need to change that up. But what about education in this country? That needs to be changed. We need to make it part of the curriculum that you are being taught about trans people, about the LGBTQ movement. We need to know, everyone needs to know who these people were in the front lines. Who started Stonewall? What happened in Stonewall? Let's, why isn't that part of the education? You know, it's like, it's, it's so stale. That's like the word I keep thinking about when I think about the education system, when I think about this, this nation in general. And I'm not here to say, oh, you know, because right away you got all the, you know, the, 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 the red headed people saying, you know, if you don't like it here, go back to, you know, where you came from. No, I'm, I was born here. So sorry. So, um, but yeah, exactly. The Bronx. I'm supposed to go back to the Bronx. I'll see you there. Okay, I'll be there, you know. Pay for my Uber. Exactly. So my thing is like, what I'm saying is, is that I, I am a daughter, we are daughters of immigrants. They came to this country hoping for the the dream, right? And, And yes, they were able to achieve a lot of stuff, but it was given to us in this pacified way. Like, we're just gonna give them just enough we're going to give them just enough. So don't tell me that I don't love this country. No, I, I love with this country, quote unquote, the umbrella that you're selling us, the slogan you're selling us. But when you come deep, deep, and we start dissecting what you have done to us all and how you've kept us down, I got a problem. And if this is really the land of the free and we're all, you know, entitled to live our American dream, why are you so shook right now? Why are you so bothered that what we want is Mm -hmm. equality, justice? We just want, we are not even saying, we're not taking anything away from you. But what we're saying is we want the same benefits. I want to be able to call the cops because something is happening and not be worried that when they get there, because there's a Karen involved, that they're going to look at me like I'm the bad person. That's what we want. And people don't understand that. Like what I tell people when we talk in terms of of what's going on now and in terms of Black Lives Matter and everything, when I tell people, if your heart doesn't break knowing that Black parents have to have different conversations with their children about how their lives will go, if your heart does not break at the thought, I've seen and heard these conversations, I've seen kids shook 
and crying because their parents have to explain this to them. If That's your heart right. does not break, if this does not move you, then That's you are right. not a human. You are no. not a human being. That's right. That's right. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, just like I worry about my sister, you know, I've always worried about her because she's a trans woman. I've always been worried about her. I think that's one of the things that um, when she came to me and said, sis, this is who I am, I was like, good for you. Let's do this. Let me know how I could support you. But my only, the biggest heaviness that I always feel is her safety. Yep her safety, you know? So to, to have someone who's trans, to have somebody who's, who's Afro, to have someone who's black in this, in this world, it is not, if you can't understand what it's like to, to, to question whether your loved one will make it back at the end of the day, then you already are privileged. Yeah. Then you are privileged, yeah. you know? If you literally have never felt like, oh, my son's going to leave, but I don't know if he's going to return because he might encounter a bad cop or he might encounter, you know, the MAGA wearing folk. And it, if you haven't had that, then you're privileged. Yeah. Yeah. privileged. I want to add something to that as well. Um, someone by the Tracy Lasatch, she posted this um, quote by Farron Jean Andrea. And she says, a trans woman going outside and choosing to live her truth unapologetically knowing the harm she can face simply for existing is a protest on its own. That's right. Yes. Absolutely. That's right. It, is. it absolutely is for the trans community. And I mean, you add Afro-Latina to that mix and there's so much on your shoulders, which mm -hmm. is why voices like yours, Marisol, need to be heard. That's because right. Because growing up, and I know we all went through this as Latinas, we didn't have representation. I would watch television and I was obsessed with television and the closest I got to anybody who looked like my mom who is more of a caramel skin tone was Claire Huxtable yeah yeah that was the closest I got that was the closest I got to representation and mm -hmm. for not just for Afro-Latinas for trans women your voice being amplified is so impactful and it, mm -hmm. it it has to feel that way for you. Like I just, you're an inspiration for so many people. And as heavy as that much weigh on you, because I know that that's in itself, that's a big thing to take on. You know, it's such a necessary voice. Yeah. Because no. voices like that do give hope. Voices right. like that do inspire people. I think that like in media, it's important it's extremely, but going yeah. back to like our, our first education, right? So like when we talk about, um, and I'm not only going to speak from like the kid of an immigrant, right? So my mother mm -hmm. did not know, my family didn't know the history of this country. So I was only going to learn that here. Um, and so when you talk about these movements, like when we hear these moments, yeah, you hear like Martin Luther King, you hear civil rights, but you don't hear about the other communities, about the yeah. other oppressed communities that were actually, you know, I, and I'm going to say this very clear, and I said this to my mom, giving us those rights. Do you understand? Yeah. We yeah. have certain pro, um, programs or rights or the ability to just be in certain spaces because of things that the black community, the trans community, oppressed communities in this country have fought for. So yeah. one, we're not being taught that at its fullest extent. And then two, and this is for someone like myself, where um, I, I come from a brown mother, 
but me myself, I don't present brown. So I'm understanding that not only do I then benefit from the privileges of those fights, but then on top of it, I have another privilege that just happens to be because of another version of colonization. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like understanding what as children of immigrants, as Latinos in this country, where we stand yeah. and how we should be fighting um, alongside. You know, I think of allyship is not in the front. Allyship is in the back. Yes. Allyship right. is just saying what you need of me. And if you need me to stand in the front of you because I am a whiter body, cool, I'll do that. But if you need me to stand in the back because the voice is not mine, cool, I do that. But I only can do that by first education, giving me that and not learning that at 30 plus. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. learning that at five is a yeah. very different thing. But like I'm from New York City. So I do think that we were get not educationally, but just in the world, we have more visibility to things. So yeah. I can only imagine if I would have been raised in Bumblefuck, Ohio, That's or whatever, right. what would I have known? Yeah, you would not have had the experience. I remember explaining to my husband, my husband is white from the Midwest. And I remember Mm -hmm. explaining to him because we've had several conversations about privilege. We've had several conversations where he's been educating himself on privilege because he's so he's so spent on I'm going to check myself every time I don't recognize my privilege. Mm -hmm. And what I told him was, in my eyes, I can't expect you to understand a problem you've never had. You've never experienced this. So I have to explain it to you as frustrating as that may be for me in times because I want you to just see it. I realize you grew up in the Midwest. Like your knowledge of different cultures was definitely limited. It was definitely limited. You know, you didn't get to experience it. Like I grew up, I grew up in the South Bronx. You grew up in, in the Midwest. We have completely different childhood experiences. We've been about completely different cultures. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely more aware of people's struggles. And again, I totally agree with Catherine. Allyship is whatever I educate myself on and however I can be used. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we both come from that same world of having mothers who were black and brown mothers. Like my mom yeah. is a very dark-skinned woman. Mm-hmm. And so for me growing up, I felt out of place because I didn't present like my mom. Yeah. And I knew yeah. I didn't have the same struggles. I would see my mom get judged. I yeah. would watch my mother get judged. And it was heartbreaking to watch that as a child. It was heartbreaking to have people think she was my babysitter. Yeah, I get that with my daughter. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not as dark, you know, you know, because there's a color chart also in, in the Latinx community. Yes. It's like, when I was like, no, I'm Afro-Latina, I literally had my people in my own community say, you're not Afro-Latina, you're, you know, and I'm like, you will not color chart me, you know, because yeah. when I walk into a room, I, I am, others see me as black, just straight up. If when I go to other places like Missouri, when I was, you know, uh, doing repertory theater there and I went to a bank and the woman would, did not want to, you know, basically service, like she just refused to even look at me. She was seeing me as a black woman. So for me, I have a daughter who's very fair, who's, you know, who can pass. And she goes to all the, you know, private schools in Manhattan and she's in rooms where they forget that she is the daughter of, and she hears things. And, and, and yes, and even in my own like color charted, you know, Afro Latina world where I, yes, I probably have it a little bit easier than someone with the skin tone of a Lupita, right? 
because that's the reality. There is, there is that thing that even in our own community, dark, dark, oh my God, you know, it's just so dark, you know, pero esta es una mulatica, you know, like, okay, that's okay, at least, and it's crazy how we feed into it, how the media feeds into it, you know, um, when we talk about being allies, for me, being an ally of the LGBTQ community means I'm not going to stand in front of my sister, but I'm going to stand right next to her in this case and be like, we're going to write this book together, right? I'm, this is how I'm going to do my part. What you do with that, that's on you. And I always say to her, we, this is our joint effort. And now you take this and you run. Now you take this. I've given you the, I've basically given you the microphone. So yeah. now you take it and you run and you tell your story. And because I'm not, I'm not qualified to tell her story. You know what I'm saying? I'm not qualified. But what I did was, okay, sis, come along. Let's, let's do this together. Okay, go. And now she's going to do her thing. And, and I think that that's, I think, part of being an ally, yes. being a Latina who is lighter skin, right? Your responsibility is to educate those in your community and our community and be like, Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not okay with a sh an entire show. Every time movies come out or, sh or shows come out, that it's just literally the same looking people in every, you can't even tell them apart. And yeah. I'm like, what's wrong with that? There is something wrong with that. And we, let me tell you, <laughs> Hollywood, Latinos in Hollywood are not exactly all kumbaya. You know, everybody's not kumbaya. Girl, that is the damn truth. That is the damn truth. Uh, they, they have brunches, and those brunches, the sisterhood brunches, um, I'm going to get, you know, me, Marisol. Um, the sisterhood <laughs> brunches, you know, they be excluding a lot of color. And when they got caught out there and they were like, excuse me, then they invited a sprinkle of, uh, of the other Latinas in the industry. But I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it, and that's why I love Ada, you know. Yeah, I love her so much. She'd be like, girl. excuse me. You know, I love her. Someone like Elisa Vidal, I also yes. love her. Yes. Oh, my God. You just named two I people. I love that. her show. They need to renew that show. Huh? They need to. Oh, the Baker and the Beauty? The yeah. Baker and the Beauty. They need to renew that. Yes, they need to. Bring it back. Love that show. Bring it back. But this is what I'm talking about. We do not support each other. That's a well, big. We do that's, not. Because that's such a huge problem. The thing, like, um, uh, it comes down to this whole like, um, we're brown, that idea, right? So it's like, um, and I, I'm gonna be real. That bothers me only because I'm I'm aware of like, no, dude, no, I come from brown people. I come from indigenous yeah. people. But mm -hmm. how dare I? How dare I? Because if I don't have the worries of brown people, you know, you, I, I always tell people I have, um, I have features and mm -hmm. I have identifiers. And I said, mm -hmm. so I can make myself look more what the idea of Latina is. Hoops, bun, all of that. But take that off. Take it off. And I'm not physically, physically, I don't look Caucasian. I don't look Anglo, right? Right, you know, right. In Hollywood, look like me. Uh, we don't look Anglo. But at the You're point, just, you're passable. You're just enough. You're just, you're exactly, honey, what they want. Right. I'm, I'm safe. And that's what it is. I go, but look, think about it in a Walmart. When I'm standing in a Walmart next to somebody who's only seeing me from the corner of their eye, there is nothing threatening about the color that they just saw. No. Yeah. Because so when you want to talk about like my indigenous features, yeah, cuando me están mirando la cara. Like when they right, see, right. Right. But other than that, 
for me to take on or go look at all the inclusion in this picture where where like i see the inclusion in the sense that you check the box of ethnicity but yeah. we're not even in this country being taught what how to identify ourselves as racist right yeah. so i i feel like a majority of them would be considered mestiza but that is also why um when other when uh afro latinas are not in the room they're like oh but it wasn't like on purpose it wasn't on purpose but you didn't know yeah. you, you mean to tell me that you couldn't do your research and 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 know you mean to tell me that like listen we did seven seasons seven years of a show the biggest show ever to showcase latinas in the way that orange showcased Let's yeah. not get it twisted. That was the reality. Okay. Yes, we were playing prisoners because it was in prison. It was a story about people who were incarcerated. That was the story. It wasn't just Latinas in prison. No. It was a, a show about incarceration, a show that also educated. We had tra a trans story in it. We had the, move the movement of, talk about reform, prison reform. Yeah. People started going, oh, this is kind of cool, prison reform. I'm not saying it was all about Orange is the New Black, but let me tell you something. It did shine a huge light on it. So you mean to tell me that a show that celebra celebrated Latinas in such a beautiful way, different kinds, body, ages, everything, yep. you name it, the rainbow. And for our community to look down you don't in the, they treated us like peasants i rem, i will never forget dasha polanco and myself we got an award the ama awards and we were like oh my god we're so excited we walked in there and they all were like i mean oh, it, it was like a room of like como que la cucaracha, and everybody yeah. was like and we were all like but what happened <laughs> we're like but we, oh, we're like part of the the group no and and it was no and it was no. And the only people, I'll say it, Lisa Vidal, always much love. She's always supportive. And she was one of the few that was like, congratulations, ladies. But the rest of them, um, it was hard. It was hard to, you know, and, and you know, I'm not going to write down the list of them, but you know who they are because it's very mm -hmm. specific who yeah. they are. And they treated us as if we were uh, i don't know like um i guess uh, like no, I youtubers like i don't yeah. know like i was you know, see the like extended family i try to think about it like on family stuff when you go to that big family um party and you go yeah. you know the ones that nobody messed with but also the haters yeah. and in my family my family was also always the one that nobody liked because yeah very like in your face and we're gonna tell you about yourself but when you walked in there was always that group that looked at you like we're gonna make like them. Yes. But then again, man, when you're sitting there like, when Aliyah, we're here, I'm gonna make, uh, you're gonna feel uncomfortable for you're the You're gonna feel really time. uncomfortable because guess what? I earned my spot. Yes. Yeah. I earned my spot. And guess what? And this is something that we have to like get over in the Latinx community is that just mm -hmm. because you make room at the table for somebody else to sit next to you does not mean that you're gonna get kicked off. It yeah. just means that we're going to have to add extensions to the table and we're going to demand more space. And also so beautiful the point is just because you make room for somebody at the table, that doesn't mean you could treat them a certain way when they sit at that table. You make room and you act like you could pat yourself on the back, but then you treat them messed up as soon as they sit down. Don't yeah. pat yourself on the back until you can be fully 
and completely humbled and accepting of the people yeah. that you let at your table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The there was a lot of there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. It was really disappointing. Um, to see Rosalind Ch Sanchez was great. Also, I gotta I gotta give it to her. She was it was loved. There were people that were loved, but but there were people that we were just like, oh, oh damn, you know. And 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 it and and then it carries into to now to today, yeah. Yeah. you know. And and being excluded from certain things. And a, a letter goes out. Oh, the, the the Latinx Hollywood community. And then you see all the names, and then they're not ex like. Why are we doing that to each other? Why are we being so divisive? The more we divide and the more we, we are not together, the weaker we are. Yep. The weaker because, we are. Because the Latinx thing, in my opinion, is a ploy. Like, it's just, uh, it's popular, right? Yeah. So, like, right now, it's popular for you to say that. Was you saying that 10 years ago, though? Are you going to yeah. be saying that 20 years from now yeah. if it's no yeah. longer popular, if it no longer suits you? And yeah, so that's yeah. really important to also notice. Like I pay attention to, you know, I'm just, I've, I've been a, a, somebody who's enjoyed and embraced media since I was a kid. That's how I got out of not doing crazy shit. But <laughs> that means I paid attention to people not knowing I was paying attention to careers. Yeah. And then when I go, wait a minute, hold on. But you was doing this 10 years ago, but you wasn't telling these stories 10 years ago. And now yeah. you're telling these stories. Get out of coincidencia. Because it's cool. Because it's really cool. Exactly. It's, it's hype. It's like really cool right now. Yeah. Because right. they're more worried about the appearance than actual support. If I appear to support, then I look like a good person. It's the perception they're more worried about. And you have to learn to filter those people out. But more yeah. importantly, our community has to change. Because without support, we are weak. We are weak without yeah. supporting each other. We cannot win if we're not all in it to win. Absolutely. And, and, and today's fight, you know, if, if today this community is fighting, trust me, tomorrow you will be the one, the next one, because that's what we've seen. And we have to unite. And, you know, to be a true ally, I always say this when people are like, well, what, how can you be or, an ally to the trans community, the LGBT? Well, you know, it's not enough to retweet. It's not enough to, you know, during Pride Month to like, you know, put the little flag on your bio. Like, it's not enough. Like, you have to... You have to show up when there is injustice, when, when this administration is attacking by taking away rights by, we then have to speak up. Yes. We have to educate ourselves. So when it's time to vote, look and see who's up for reelection. What, what's their track record? What, what, what have they done for the community? You know, educate yourselves. We, and I've done it. Listen, you go into that balance and you're just like, well, I'm just going to go straight down, you know, and like, yeah. and you don't know anybody except for the two main, you know, but no, we need to educate ourselves because yeah. sometimes, you know, we're checking off a box just because, you know, it falls into the, the, the whatever party without really knowing what this person stands for. And then years later, this person is in a position of power to speak for you, to represent you, and they do not. Yes. So we have to educate ourselves. So important. I challenge us all to do that. We yeah, also need absolutely. to be willing to call each other in. Like, be like, yo, you really, okay, cool. Calling out, I'm not a really big fan of because I do believe in, like, I don't believe in canceling. I believe in, like, teaching. Now, mind you, if you try to teach and the person's still there. You're done. You're canceled. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, you froze Catherine. Oh no, Catherine. Catherine froze, but you froze adorably. So <laughs> she so, was like, she'll be thankful that she froze. <laughs> I feel. I always feel bad when she freezes because it's always in the middle of such a brilliant point. Oh, and I know. It's like her it's computer's a- such a hater. Her computer's like, I've had enough of this. You I've been working stop. overtime. <laughs> you know, oh. I wanted to add something. Yes, allies, because something I've noticed. Okay, we you want to be an ally, but why do you have to constantly ask? How can I show up for you? Like yes. why do you have like if we're like beneath or like we're like you know all the way down there, and you have to access like how can you show up for us? Um. The same way you go look up for that Amazon um, yes. books or whatever you want to get or shopping, the same way you could go educate on Google on racism, on LGBTQ plus community, trans community, um, immigration, like all of these different things, it's out there. Like, why do we have to hold that? Um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like, why do we have the responsibility to teach other people? Why do we have to hold the responsibility to to teach you when it's out there? Yes, I can guide you. As an activist, I've been learning a lot of things and what it means to be an activist. Yes. For me, it's like, I'm, yeah, I'm willing to teach you. I'm willing to, to, I'm willing to show you and, and educate you, but at the same time, I shouldn't have to all the time. Yeah. Is your responsibility as well, and it's like almost like it's just it just baffles me. Like, oh, what can I do to help you? Like, how it's exhausting. It is. It's it's also like like it's painfully obvious how you can if you just pay attention to the other allies and what they're doing. Use your voice. Use your privilege. You want to help? Then help. Yeah, yeah. And and also, you know, if 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 you aren't the person to go to marches and to do all these things, there's other ways you can help. You can find organizations that are doing the work in your community. You can research organizations that need funding because the reality is that a lot of these organizations that are helping the LGBTQ community that are not in cities like, you know, Manhattan, you know, because there's a big difference between community centers in Manhattan that are giving services to, you know, a particular group of people economically than somebody in the outer boroughs. So do your research. Maybe you want to donate. You know, I had a beautiful, a great fan um, that, you know, I have the best fans, like literally the best fans. And there was one fan that for my birthday sent me like this um, Trader Joe's, I think it was like a, a certificate, you know, for like groceries. And I was like, thank you. That's amazing. But I'm not going to take your money because I don't need it. But if you want to donate to an organization on my behalf, I would love that. Yeah. This person went and did the research, contacted a particular agency, and sent them this, this certificate, and, and then sent me the letter that, that they got back from the, the organization thanking them. Because during the quarantine time, they realized how many people in the LGBTQ community that are homeless, that don't have any means, were in trouble. So that, for me, it was like, find ways that you can give. There are so many ways that you can be an ally. So many ways. Not everybody can, you know, can march. Not everybody's meant for that. But you, if you have a couple of extra dollars, fine. If you can go in and do some, some, I don't know, some work or, um, give of your time in an organization or in a community center, then do it. 
you know, call them up. What is it that you guys need? You know, I don't know. Sometimes something as simple as, I don't know, do you need masks right now? Does the community have this? Do Whatever it is, I think that there are more ways than not, mm-hmm. is my point. There are more ways than not. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We have a, a segment of the show called Dear Gina, where people write into the show and they ask advice, and we all take a stab at, like, giving advice. So um, I would love to throw the question out yes. to you guys. Um, here we go. Uh, Dear Gina, I have been quarantining with my family since the start of the pandemic and recently have found it difficult to want to associate myself with them since the Black Lives Matter protest has begun. I've always thought that my family members were narrow-minded because of statements they made here and there, but constant proximity has made me question if they have racist views against black and brown people. I've been doing my best to not overreact, but to keep the conversation open to have them see how our family benefits from white privilege, but it's become increasingly hard since they're stubborn. What advice would you have for living with family members who are racist and have narrow minds? Whew, that is, that's a lot on your shoulders, but um, congrats to you for even taking on the battle because that's uh, some of the hardest battles are going to be with your family because you love them dearly, but not everybody has the same mentality. For me, having open discussions with my family uh, has been such a help and being honest with where they're at as people and not expecting growth to happen overnight. Growth doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual process for people to let go of prejudices and, and certain racism that they may be holding on to because it's what they know. I would say have patience and continue the conversations and be open to however they may react. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, they may have negative reactions to it, they may shut you out, they may cut you off. But if you can get a word in that makes an impact to them, that should be your goal. Get that word in. Teach that lesson so that they can walk away and with a new perspective. Because sometimes when you say something to somebody and they walk away from you, it's the best thing they could have done because they have time to process. Mm-hmm. Don't force it on them because the more you force, the more aggressive you get, the more they will shut you out. But if you can have these open conversations and treat them with love, then I think you'll get very far. Mm-hmm. So that's my take on it. I don't know if Kat, you want to take on, or you want to throw uh, it to one of the ladies? Yeah. I mean, I think Gina said it beautifully in the sense that there's just so much that you can do, you know, to educate and, and, and great change doesn't happen overnight. It does not happen overnight. And I can tell you that from, if you, if you get our book, my sister, you'll see that it was a journey. It was a process. It, it didn't happen. This is not a story about like, oh, you know, all of a sudden everyone in the family was okay with it. No, it was a process. It, 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 we had to dismantle ideas, preconceived, you know, embedded for, you know, decades and generation upon generation. So for what I would say is continue to have the dialogue. Do not expect it to happen overnight. I, I would say that the, the most challenging, wait, how do I say it? Like when you're having the hardest time trying to get through someone, right? It gets ugly. It gets really ugly before it gets better. So as long as there's dialogue, respectful dialogue, if, it's not being, if you're not getting respect, then walk away. But always be open to listening to them 
educate yourself as much as possible so that when they come to you with whatever nonsense, you can flip it nicely, <laughs> you know, but um, nothing happens overnight and it will get ugly, unfortunately. I applaud you for, for taking on such a responsibility to want to educate your loved ones. Um, I thank you for that. Um, but I also know that it takes time and you need to take care of yourself in the process. If you feel that they are zapping you and taking away from your light and your, your love and your heart, there, there will be or might be a time where you have to just walk away. So. And I'll just say I applaud you as well because um, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of patience and courage to have conversations like this, like my sister mentioned, like for us with me transitioning and, and going through the experiences that I was going through, it wasn't an uh, easy situation or, or a process. It, it didn't happen overnight. So you're definitely in the right track. Don't feel that you feel like you're not in the right track or you're not getting through them at the current moment. Remember that everything is fresh right now and we all having these conversations. And a, a lot of families are gonna get to a place where there's more understanding and acceptance. Um, I This person didn't specify um, race or ethnicity, um, but I will say that myself, I also am quarantining with my mom. So I'm very fortunate that my mother's always been very open-minded and liberal as a person. But even in that, there are things that she just still has to unlearn and relearn. Um, so finding resources. I noticed that for my mother, um, when it came down to the protest, when it came down to police brutality, um, you know, I had seen the 13th. Um, but I never thought until recently, Eferate, I'm going to put it on in Spanish with Spanish subtitles and so mommy can sit and see it, right? So she really understood it, not because I could have talked to her about it, but yeah. I want her to know about it. And then, you know, the other day she came up to me and was like, oh my God, tu sabes que cambiaron ancha mama. And, I was, <laughs> and she laughed, right? And I was like, yeah, ma. She was like, hi. But she wasn't criticizing. She was just like, you know, I don't understand because Let's be honest, Univision and, and Telemundo, they're not telling the reasons. They're just saying, look at what happened. Um, so I sat with her and I actually showed her a TikTok that like was very easy to explain it. And then I just told her, I taught her about like um, minstrel shows and blackface and yeah. then the history of where the actual uh, uh, owner or the creator of Enchimaima came from. And at the end of it, she was like, oh no, lo tienen que cambiar. They, the understanding is there, but the information is not. And that's yeah. That's the privilege of even being born in this country, of even having the grasp of the English language. You know, that also is what I should be giving back to her. You know, I think that a lot of people forget, well, in the immigrant situation where they want us to do better, they want us to be better. But it's not so that we be better and we forget that we can still give to them. Yeah. This is an opportunity for that. I've taken that as my opportunity as her child because I feel like my mom, then she's gonna be on the phone with my tias and be like, no, pero tú no sabes. This is why. And she will tell them. She will school them. She, and they're the ones that are harder to get to. Yeah. Right? yeah. But they will listen to her more than me. Because um, probably the whole generational thing of respect your elders. Um, so just knowing. I kind of like, I always say I'm like a little bit of a covert agent in my family. <laughs> I figure it out and I go, wait, 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 wait. I know who to talk to about what and how to talk mm -hmm. to about it. And then go... I'm gonna give you like ninja information that you don't even realize you're spouting, yeah. right? But if you could do it like that, I know it sounds weird, but 
it works. Yeah, and it, I love that because it's powerful to have to mm -hmm. give somebody just enough information, plant that seed, so that they feel like they came up with the idea. Yeah. They came up with the realization, and then they want to spread it to the comadres, you know, and yeah. to their people. So I think that that's wonderful. It's like planting little seeds, like you know, covertly, like oh, let's watch this thing. You know, I, it doesn't always have to be such a, you know. Uh, tug of war it could it could just be something i don't know you leave a book around or you you turn on a documentary and you're watching or whatever it is i i think that there is always room to educate always right? absolutely i i agree everybody made great points y'all all is mad amazing <laughs> um it's been amazing talking to you both thank you so much for coming on the show uh, Thank you. Thank I want to give you an opportunity to not only shout out the book, but shout out where people can find you on social media so they can support where they can pick up the book. So uh, any order you want to go in, Marisol, Selenis, whichever one you want to go. Well, you can go ahead, Mari. You can follow me on Instagram. I am underscore Marissa on all platforms on Twitter, Facebook, my name and last name, Marissa Leva. You can find the book on all major platforms, Barnes and Noble, Kindle, Audiobook, um, by clicking on my link and my sister's link on our bios. And I also have a YouTube channel that I'm going to start working again on since the book is finally out. I'm going to be doing more cooking videos and mukbangs. So you guys can subscribe to my channel by also searching me at Marisol Leva. And thank you both for having me and my sister on your amazing platform. I'm so excited to see the interview. And um, yes, I think you guys are doing amazing work, great work and starting great conversations that need to be had. So thank you. Yes. Thank you so, thank you so much, you guys. It means a lot to, to for us to be able to be with two powerful Latinas um, doing your own thing and representing and, and, and enlightening our community. We're, we're just so happy to be here. Our book is available in English and in Spanish. And like Marisol said, audio as well. Um, the audio, we recorded it. So it's our voices. And that was like special to do. Um, I'm on um, Instagram, Selenis Leva official, and also on Twitter, Selenis underscore Leva. Um, I, I don't really do Facebook. I think I have a page, but I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and, and all of our information is definitely in, in our bios. And the second season of Diary of a Future President will be on in 2021, if we ever get out of 2020. Yeah. And all the, um, the first season of Diary of a Future President is streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. It is a show that really is, and I'm not saying that because I'm in it, but it is a family show. You can sit there with your kids. You can watch it as a family. There is something for everyone in it. And it is a real wonderful story that anybody, you don't have to be Latinx to enjoy it. You could just be a family to enjoy the journey of this little girl who becomes the president of the United States. And we're living during a time that I do believe that we have to give our youth, boys, girls, everyone, whoever this feeling that they can achieve that dream also so this is a really important um little show right now that has my heart and um has a really great cast and executive produced by um, gina rodriguez also a fellow latina so check it out absolutely Catherine, tell the lovely people where they can find you but before i go into that i do want to say i'm excited to buy the book for my mom in spanish because yes. again, resources in Spanish matter. They just yeah. do. And yeah. so I'm excited because I feel like we can read it together, but she doesn't have to forcefully read it in her second language. 
Yeah. You know what, Kat, while you're at it, before you tell them where they can find you, why don't you throw out some resources that people might not know about that are in Spanish that you've shared with your Well, mom? like I said, right now it's mostly been me trying to get the, um, the resources that I watch. So, like, on Netflix, they do have that option for everything. Unfortunately, Hulu does not at the moment, and mm-hmm. Amazon does not. I'm not trying to call you out, but do something about that. But it's time. Because, <laughs> <But laughs> yeah. you know, I, I want her to watch... Um, um, I am not your Negro, but it's not in Spanish, so yeah. it would be hard for her to watch. I want to watch yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just think a lot of it is the simplest things right now where I am trying to just go, is there that feature, um, just to yeah. ease it in. But I will use our platform and then find other resources that may be easier in what I'm trying to tackle with language at the moment. Um, me, I can be found on my on Instagram. Twitter and TikTok. Yes, I use TikTok. Okay. <laughs> great at TikTok. She doesn't just use it. Oh, it's, yes. It's fun. Oh, like, it's really fun for some reason. That's cute. Um, I use, um, the TikTok and Instagram is at Catherine G. Mendoza. That's at K A T H E R I N E G. M E N D O Z A. And on Twitter, it is Kathy Grace. Two four. That's K A T H I E G R A C E two four. Hey, uh, you guys know you can find me at G Brion on Instagram. Uh, I am also on the TikTok mainly to stalk Catherine, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to watch her videos. But you can find me uh, at G Brion eighty on TikTok. The website is ginabrion.com. Uh, you can watch my Amazon special, The Floor Is Lava, which is now streaming. Um, thanks. <laughs> it's my little baby. And uh, or the HBO special Easily Offended, which is also on HBO streaming platforms. Uh, you know, I love to leave you guys with a piece of advice my mom gives me to this day when life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time, people. Mm. One catastrophe at a time, everybody. Thank you so much for joining thank us, Marisol Selenis. We are honored to have you on. This was a great conversation. I can't wait for people to hear it. Thank you so can't much. Can't wait to meet that baby. <laughs> you're gonna be prepared there's gonna be so many baby pictures i'm not yes, gonna yes yes <laughs> thank you ladies thank, thank you so, you so much. much thank you bye bye, bye. Do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she type bad. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep, I call him my nightcap. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.